Welcome in, my loyal followers. It's the podcast, Pete Forsey. Yep, Apple's calling you guys followers now. Listeners, viewers, consumers, however you want to be labeled. I know that's a big thing nowadays if you want to be identified a certain way, but that's neither here nor there. Just wrapped up a huge Sunday of football, and we had some good football. We had some bad football. GM, general managers, team building, roster construction, I think it's at an all-time low. And we kind of saw with that last game with the Bucks and the Rams, big-time ending, touchdown Tom Brady with another fourth-quarter drive. Five plays, 50 seconds, five passes, P.I. here that was there for the assist for Tampa Bay. Uh, we got the Raiders blowing another lead. Josh McDaniels, tenure, second go-around, not going well. The Jets, J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 upside, or, uh, upset, Buffalo. And uh, yeah, we, we got a lot of football to talk about. It's the Sunday night edition, so strap it in. Let's get to it. It is episode 101 of the podcast. So a couple instant reactions from the Buccaneers and the Rams. The first is Tom Brady, 100,000 passing yards. The next closest is Drew Brees. Holy smokes. Talk about just incredible volume. You know, I, I'm not a big totals guy on completion percentage and passing yards and touchdowns. Everyone thinks Jalen Hurts is an MVP because he's atop those categories this year, yet no general manager, no coach would choose Jalen Hurts over Joe Burrow or Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson even, Tom Brady. Like, no, he's not the most valuable player in the league. But again, I get a little bit of sidetracked here. My big thing with this Buccaneers-Rams game is that you got a couple of heavyweights. It's in primetime CBS. This is the best game of the week that they're you know, the national uh, uh, media outlets are telling us, along with the NFL, they're saying, put this game in prime time so everybody's watching it. And it had a great ending. Had a great ending. Tom Brady did his thing like he has done for 20-plus years playing football. But really, this was an ugly game. And it's because neither team knows how to run the football because their offensive line play stinks. Their cornerbacks stink. Their pass catchers are not on the same page as the quarterback. And really, you can just drill it back to the fact that the drafting of one team, while they have had some good players in the fifth and sixth round, they just have given up so many first and second and third round picks that their team is too thin, and that's the Los Angeles Rams. They won a Super Bowl. Yes, they went quote-unquote all-in. And it's become like a, a very uh, uh, familiar thing for general managers just to give up draft picks and to quote unquote go all in. Now, not everybody is like I would not put San Francisco in that category, but there are other squads where it's like Miami. You're just you're putting all this capital into one season, and then in future seasons, the credit card, the bill is going to be due, and you're seeing that with Tampa Bay. And with the Rams, the Rams with the draft picks, the salary cap with Tampa Bay. They are strapped in fielding a competitive team. This is why traditionally, and I, I hate to give the Packers a hat tip here with their lackluster play, but holding on to draft picks like the Steelers and the Packers, the Ravens, 
That's why you hold on to them. Sustain success so you can have a competitive team year after year after year. Now, you obviously have to have a quarterback that allows you to do that, a high-level quarterback. Roethlisberger was that guy. Rodgers has been that guy. Flacco kind of gave you sustained play, and Lamar's allowing the Ravens to do that. And that's what makes it so weird with these two teams, the Rams and the Bucks. You should be having a more complete team right now. I understand injuries happen, but like Van Jefferson, Allen Robinson, yeah, they they ain't it. Chris Godwin, uh, freaking uh, Scotty Miller, who dropped the should have been game winning touchdown, he ain't it. Julio Jones pulling up because he blew a tire uh, uh, early in the fourth quarter, he ain't it. Robert Woods is missed by the Rams. Rob Gronkowski, very missed by the Buccaneers. He would band-aid a lot of issues for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers if he was still in uniform. They should be begging that guy to come out of retirement. I was listening. I tried to get a workout in before the uh, before the 12 noon games on Sunday, and I was, I was driving around on the way home, and uh, Mike Tannebaum was on ESPN Radio, and he said the answer should be yes to Rob Gronkowski. He said, whatever you want. No practice? Yes. 50 million? Yes. Uh, you know, show up on Sundays? No practice? You know, yes. Whatever you want, Rob, you should get it. And really, the Buccaneers are at that point because he would control the middle of the field. He would give a reliable pass catcher, not somebody that's going to leave the Buccaneers with seven drops in a football game. And he would bring toughness to an offensive uh, offensive unit that can't run the football. So really what you're seeing with these two teams who still have high-level quarterbacks, yeah, you know, they're, they're not very mobile, and that, that's part of the reason they can't operate at a high level. But what you're seeing is that the bill is due. Salary cap, that's an issue for the Bucks. Draft picks, that's an issue for the Rams. That's why this was an ugly thriller. This game should have been a much cleaner football game, but this is a testament to the team building that's going on in the NFL. General managers, everybody's applauding them for giving up draft picks when really there is supreme value in them. I am one to typically lean the other way. A few years ago, if you were to ask me, I would have been like, give up a first-round pick. You don't know who it's going to be. But when you give up several of them, this is what it leads to. Ugly play, but the Buccaneers get a W and the Rams, they're, they're looking at a, uh, they're staring at a season where they're going to be not even making the playoffs where Seattle, the Seahawks, who have a very, very high-level coach, they're leading the NFC West right now. And I got to dive into Seattle because, you know, you got Pete Carroll, 70 years old, John Schneider, he's from Green Bay, Gudikins at one point, he was about to, you know, drive Aaron Rodgers out of town. You thought Schneider might leave. You thought Pete might be on his way out the door. They trade Russell Wilson after he's bickering and complaining about how he doesn't have enough say. And you chalk it up to the game passing by one P. Carroll, maybe even John Schneider too. The guy's not all in. And then they hit on two offensive tackles. They probably have the offensive rookie of the year in their running back, Walker. And Geno Smith, a guy who, again, I've been saying it since that 2015 season when IK, I can't remember his last, I I just know him as IK. He punched him in the jaw over a $50 bill that Geno Smith had not paid him for like a charity softball game. So he gets knocked out of the 2015 season and then 
Uh, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Fitzmagic, comes in, has a phenomenal season. They just miss out on the playoffs, the New York Jets. And then he's cut from the team the following year in 2016. He goes to the Giants. He's a backup for a little while, a couple of years. Goes to the Chargers. He's a backup. Seattle, a couple of years. Finally, again, he gets a chance to start regularly, and he's balling out. And he's playing fast. He's playing pretty much mistake-free, not totally mistake-free. He's not a top 10 guy, but you can win games as he showed in his rookie and second year. They went eight and eight, 500 team. You can win games with Geno Smith and they're at top of the division. It is another flex of culture, another flex of having a true head coach. There are fewer and fewer of them. John Harbaugh, Belichick, Sean McVay, uh, Pete Carroll, Mike Tomlin, all these Matt LaFleurs, these Zach Taylors, um, um, uh, Brandon Staley's, all imposters, man. They're just coordinators. They're just coordinators staring at the play sheet. And Sean or uh, uh, Pete Carroll is over here winning games by wearing teams down. He doesn't have a talented roster. Arizona, can't believe I even forgot them. They were playing the Cardinals today. They just got a a talent cast of players. I, I look up and I see, man, they, they got a lot of good players, but you know what? They're, they're just out there running plays and they're just out there losing games at home to a less talented team. This is how you get contract extensions. This is how you have sustained success year after year after year. Every year, Seattle wakes up on Sundays. They know their team is going to be loud. They're going to be proud and it's going to be close games. Whether it's Russell Wilson or it's Geno Smith because we got Pete Carroll and we got a guy that knows how to identify talent and make it into a team. It's not just a roster, it's a team. And Kansas City has that. They have the trifecta, GM, head coach, superstar quarterback that just wants to win. And that's the difference right now in the NFC West. I think Les Snead is phenomenal. I think that he really felt a pressure probably from the owner to go all in on a 2021 season when the Super Bowl was going to be hosted at their venue. And now you're kind of seeing it mimicked across the league from some other rosters, and you're going to be in a pretty dire state. And tonight, Seattle shines, and the Rams, they're staring up at Seattle, wondering if they're even going to be in the playoffs. Another squad that really is building something it looks like. They have the talent, plus they seem to have a little mojo going. New York Jets. They were in the Meadowlands, and they upended Josh Allen. They did just enough. It's a classic W that can really pivot your franchise as far as the trajectory. And, you know, they they got crushed by New England. The head coach, the greatest coach of all time, has had their number for years. Not really all that surprising. This was surprising. Because you just did not know what the players were made of in New York. And Robert Sala, he's got Sauce Gardner, he's got Quinnen Williams, Garrett Wilson. Their offensive line was humming today. And they toppled the best team in football in Buffalo. And Buffalo's going to be all right. It happens to every great team. They, they win or they lose two to four ball games, And they're still going to be the heavyweight come playoff time. But for the Jets, you got to think. What if they had one more blue chip player? What if they had Micah Parsons? What if they had J.C. Horn, Patrick Sertan? 
Jamar Chase. They were all there for the taking, but they took Zach Wilson, who, by all intents and purposes, did not have a bad game today. He was fine, but their entire strategy thus far has been to make him make as few plays as possible. Do not allow him to hurt us. And last week, again, the greatest coach ever forced that quarterback into making dumbass mistakes. This week, you got a uh, a defensive coordinator, Leslie Flazier, Sean McDermott, both great top-notch guys, but they're not the greatest ever, and they reverted back to what has been uh, uh, the most sustainable method of success for them. And I can't help but think, if you had another one of those guys, a Parsons, a Jamar Chase, and you had Sam Darnold playing, would you not have the same record? Six and three? I think you could. I think you could. Because the same thing that plagues the Jets when Wilson plays bad is the same thing that Darnold does. He throws interceptions. He turns the ball over. But all because you wanted to reset the rookie wage scale, that's why you got rid of Darnold. Newsflash. Nobody's paying top dollar for Sam Darnold. What would have been the problem with offering Darnold, this is two years ago in the spring of 2021 before they shipped him off to Carolina, why not just go ahead and exercise his fifth-year option or decline it and say, we're going to give you an extension, Darnold. We're going to give you $15 million. We'll give you $17 million. That's a fair contract. Nobody's going to pay him $40 million. And if they do, you say, thank you, we'll now happily beat you because you've just made it easier. Instead, they wanted to go with Wilson, and they gave up the opportunity to have another top-notch blue-chip player. So the Jets, they're humming. I think they could even be better, though, if they had just stuck with Sam Darnold because right now, Zach Wilson, he ain't it, and the way they're playing is showing me that. Raiders, oh my my, they collapse again. It's a thing where you're getting out to lead 17 points again or more. This time it was 20 to 0 against Jacksonville, and you lose that game. I didn't see a lick of it, but the fact that they were losing yet again after getting that lead, that is not good for Josh McDaniels. He is over here talking about how the team needs to learn how to win. They made the playoffs last year, and I get new program, new offense. That's all got to happen. But right now, you're, you're blowing games. That's not great when setting the foundation of a program. And I think Josh McDaniels can work in Las Vegas. However, he's got to start rattling off some wins here in the second half. Playoffs are not going to happen, but the turning point is going to be whether they can win games after Thanksgiving because this has just been a disaster from the get-go. Along the same lines, Matt LaFleur, that guy should be gone after this year. All the scars that he's had, all the deficiencies that he's had, he didn't even know to put starters on special teams. That was the whole thing after the playoff game in San Francisco. He is a disaster. If Aaron Rodgers were not his quarterback, he would have been out in two years just like Joe Judge, just like uh, Pat Shermer, not to pick on the Giants. But all of these offensive coordinators that get a shot and are out within two years, yeah, he, he would be just like them. And that's why if you want to go all in, you ask Sean Payton if he will coach this team next year. And he'll probably decline. He's doing the TV thing. He probably has the Cowboys job in his back pocket. Chargers are going to be the other one because Brandon Staley is not going to last. Those two jobs are more attractive. But 
If you're Aaron Rodgers, if you're Brian Gutkiss, if he plans on coming back, I imagine Aaron Rodgers would because he probably does not want to go out like this because they're trending not to make the playoffs. You got to go ask Sean Payton if he'll coach the team because that would definitely ascend them. They would be a much cleaner team. They play complimentary football. Right now, Aaron Rodgers is just bailing as soon as the team is losing. Matt LaFleur doesn't even know what to do. He doesn't adjust anything in the game plan, and it's just been an absolute utter disaster here. I know they've had injuries. Every team has injuries. They are just completely non-competitive. And speaking of just completely non-competitive, I know he wins the Nice Guy Award. Frank Reich, like, media loves him, and I even thought he might be an elite-level head coach, but turns out he's just a great play caller, and the general manager, you know, they just have not figured out the quarterback position, and I think if they do, if they stop going kind of half in on all these things, they could maybe turn it around. But overall, Jimmy Irsay, the owner of the Colts, they are too impatient up in the owner's box to be watching this. 26-3. to Belichick had his way again. Again, if Bill Belichick's your coach, you're not going to lose, like you're not going to win three, four games in this league. He's going to go 500 with a shitty roster. And that's where Dan Campbell... Uh, you know, he, he beat the, the Packers today, but again, they only put up 15 points. Like they, they got to be better. And that's where if Belichick was coaching that roster, the Lions, they would have more wins. But when you look at Indianapolis, you know, they're, they're trotting out Sam Ellinger right now, Sam Ellinger, you, you would think, and maybe it is a Jim Irsay thing because his contract is tied to playing time. But if you want to keep your job and you're Frank Reich, you would be playing Matt Ryan. Because I know he's been bad, but he's still your best option to win football games this year. But it's clear that he has been forced to play Sam Ellinger because I think Frank Reich knows that this cat is not as good as what he's got in number two on his team. So Irsay is pretty much setting him up to fail so he can get a new head coach. And maybe he's trying to go after Sean Payton. And maybe Sean Payton will be interested in going back to a dome in the North or uh, in the Midwest. Small town, media is not too bad. He can own the town just like he owned New Orleans. Maybe that'll be something that's attractive to him. But right now, they are just completely lackluster in everything that they do. And then talking about Minnesota, they were reminding me of the 2016 Giants. Remember Ben McAdoo, Eli Manning, his last like good year passing the football. That was the year of uh, of the boat trip. With uh, Odell and uh, and uh, Victor Cruz, that team made no sense to me. They were just able to be pretty good in all areas, and by the end of the 16-game slate, they're at Lambeau Field, they're playing the Packers, and you think maybe they can just take down Green Bay. Of course, they got smashed because their players were not focused leading up to that game. That's kind of how Minnesota is shaking out with me. I think they're really taking advantage of the Bears tearing down their roster, the Lions, again, horrible roster plus ineptitude from their head coach. And then Aaron Rodgers, more the same with Matt LaFleur. I think the Vikings are just taking advantage of what is truly actually a crappy division. Nobody on national media outlets has said it yet. So I think this could really be a year. And I like Kirk Cousins. I think he's playing better. I just don't think they're that great of a team when it's all said and done. I know they got Hawkinson and hats off to him. Seven and one or six and one. Yeah, seven and one is now what they are. 
I just think that this schedule, this division, it's really provided them a good roadmap on how to have a lot of wins at the end of the year, but I don't really trust them going into playoff time. I would still take San Francisco. I would still take Tampa Bay. I would still take New Orleans if they can get in there, which they're a pretty good favorite to pick if you're a wager, if you're a better come tomorrow when Baltimore comes to town. I still think all those teams have a shot to be there when it comes January. And, you know, the Vikings, they'll have the prettier record, but when you take a look at this, it's it's eerily similar to those Giants in 2016. And when you look at their division, their division is is tanking, essentially. I know there's no true tanking in the NFL, but they're they're providing it, they're they're giving them free access to the NFC North. So I just I cannot trust him quite yet. I don't know about this head coach, and you know we'll we'll just have to see come January. <laughs> Lastly, got to talk about the Chicago Bears. Who Miss Taylor? She was watching the game on her phone while she was at work, and coincidentally, she actually just uh, walked through the door and is greeting Maisie the Hound. So I better get up there and uh, you know stop this podcast soon. But I, I, I'm just so happy to see it now because I knew he was talented. I'm still not you know, quite sold if he's the guy, as we all kind of like to know when a guy's drafted in the first round. But Justin Fields is playing much better. We saw that 61-yard scamper, elite rusher of the football, Lamar Jackson-like. He's got the similar traits, the slashing and gashing, and just fluid speed and turn of direction. It's magnificent. When Justin Fields has those runs, and early on it took like 21 games into his career for Luke Getze and just the Bears organization as a whole to understand that you don't treat him like a drop-back passer. You need to get some play action. You got to move the platform. You got to treat it like it's Lamar Jackson. You got to get the tight ends involved. You got to get a bigger receiver. I know Claypool didn't have his best game, but he's probably only going to get better as weeks go on. This is what the Bears football should look like. This is the offense they should be running. And, you know, their defense, this is why I say trading Robert Quinn, trading Roquan. Could you have won that game today if you had those guys? I mean, those are two better players. You may have won that football game. And that's where these draft picks and everybody's just say, trade everyone, get rid of the veterans. I don't know, man, because the Bears, if they win two or three more games this year, to me, that's more value than moving up three slots or a slot in the draft order. Because those picks, those picks might turn into prospects who turn into players. And that's where I'm just not in the business of giving up good players. Again, I'm not anti either way, keeping hit picks, keeping players. But it's just common sense has been lost with this. And I just think if you can get pressure on Tua Tagovailoa, if you can get Roquan Smith, who's just always around the ball, always making plays, interceptions, like, do the Bears win that football game today? And what is that of value to the Chicago franchise who have just been toiling at 500 here? And, you know, you got a head coach, it looks like, unlike Matt Nagy. Maybe if you're a, a better team on the field, your coach can squeeze more out of you and you, you can sneak into a wild card in which in what is being a, a really poor year in the NFC. I, I like what the, the Bears are doing offensively, and that's where the jury is still out for me with Ryan Poles and what he's doing with the roster overall. 
Appreciate everybody listening. Subscribe, review, wherever you get your podcasts. Spotify, Amazon, I've heard people are listening there. Uh, Google Play, Apple, my followers, as they're calling them now. Please leave a review. Please let me know what you like about the show, what you don't like. Critical feedback, all is accepted. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. Baseball, loved it. Don't have much to say other than that the Astros, they're just the better team. They're a model franchise, and it's why they beat Philadelphia. Philadelphia did not have the offense, the consistent offense, the contact offense to compete with a team like the Astros. They, they are the absolute model, regardless of what you think about trash cans and, and those being banged a few years ago. So uh, tell everybody about the podcast. Thank you again. We will see you next week.